Hello guys, and welcome back to the Roots Away podcast. Today we have my great friend, Nate Stevens. I always joke that Nate should be famous by now. <laughs> his photography is world class, and yeah, don't know why he's not famous. So today we talk about his new film, Return to Sender, which is debuting pretty much all over the United States and pretty much all over the world as well. And no surprise, Nate is the most mind-blowing um, story storyteller and photographer and pretty much, yeah, one of the most cool humans I've ever met. So here is Nate Stevens, Roots Away Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. And here's Nate Stevens. Let's go. You. What's up, Nate? How's it going? Hey, it's going great. How are you? Good, good. Could you uh, give the guests a little background on uh, who you are and what you do? Ooh, good question. My name is Nate Stevens, and I am a person uh, who I live in my van, and I'm a rock climber, photographer, filmmaker, creative person, also doing brand strategy i'm a dog dad and a magician <laughs> lots of different things yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh are you you're in bend oregon right um right now i am in Bol or i'm in uh, denver colorado yes but you do you live in bend still um that's a great question that i'm still trying to figure out the answer to i do consider it to be my home base right now but i um am currently traveling for the next two or three months and then uh we'll probably settle back into bend or missoula or continue bouncing around nice what's on the uh what's on the agenda for the traveling uh i'm so i'm in denver right now for two film screenings and then i'm in moab for all of november for fun and two more uh, film screenings, one at the Kraken Classic um, Climbing Festival and then one at GGBY, the Highlining Festival. And then I think I'll leave early December and go to San Diego and just chase the warm weather um, and maybe dip down into Baja for a couple weeks and nice, just avoid nice. being cold. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Mexico's a good place for, for winter. Yeah. yeah, I've never been to Baja, but I have so many friends in the van community who just really love that area, and I've always yeah. wanted to go, so. Yeah, just following the, the van circuit. Basically, yeah, it feels like it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that seems about right. Moab for fall, and then, yeah, down south. Sounds like yep. kind of what everybody does. Yeah, maybe, maybe stop Jay. in Arizona. Yeah, or yeah. Joshua Tree. Yeah, yeah, the dirtbag circuit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wish I was, wish I was still on it. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're welcome back. You'd be welcomed back anytime. Yeah, I'm sure I would. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, can you tell some people about your film that you're screening? 
Yeah, I just finished my first film. It's called Return to Sender, and it's a highlining film. It's a short documentary that's 26 minutes long, and it documents the longest, current longest highline sent in the United States, which was about 70 meters short of a mile um, in length, and it was rigged and sent over four or five days in Rocky Gulch, which is like an hour east of Bend in Central Oregon. Um, And it shows the um, effort that it takes to rig something like that. And then the fear and risks that are involved and the community aspect of it, which is incredible. And then the kind of physical and emotional experience of walking these like huge high lines where you're half a mile away from your friends and half a mile away from safety and um, kind of like what goes through the highliners minds as they're like spending two up to two hours out in space. Um, and then ultimately uh, my friend Kaj and Danny, who both um, sent. That's so gnarly to think about. <laughs> it was sick. Um, yeah, this was my first film, so I kind of just... Um, well, I texted Danny three or four days before, and I didn't even... I didn't know what they were doing, but I just texted him. I was like, hey, what are you up to this summer? He's like, oh, I'm actually going to be in Oregon rigging this mega, like record-setting highline and i was like oh no way who's like is anybody taking photos or shooting it or anything and nobody was and so i was like oh i'll come out and shoot some video and this will be good practice because i want to get into filmmaking and then um had all this footage and was like all right well may as well get transcripts of all these interviews so i can start um shaping a story and then editing and like taking these like little pieces and um ultimately creating this film did you think you were gonna actually make a film when you were shooting it or were you just kind of good question (laughs) um so my normal like approach to projects in photography or any project like woodworking project or whatever is like i like to have a pretty thorough plan and this one really was just like just go like there was no plan really (laughs) Um, i I knew it was like oh this is gonna be a great opportunity to practice shooting video because it's a lot different than shooting photos and so I just went to go shoot a bunch of video and we did interviews and my friend Keegan came out and another friend Taylor came out to help shoot some video and the interviews. And, and then it was like, Oh wow. Okay. I have this stuff. I think mainly the big thing was like filmmaking has always been really scary to me because it's such a huge project and it's not like with a photo, you can go and take a pretty photo and it takes, and you can tell a story with that photo and it takes not that much work <laughs> to me. Whereas filmmaking is like 
you have to go shoot you have to have you have to really tell a story you have to do these interviews you have to like edit hunt you know 40 hours of video you have or more you have like you really want to represent the experience in this like full uh visual and audio way and so it was always really intimidating for me to start one and so by approaching this as just like let's go shoot some stuff really made it less scary and then kind of breaking it down into these like mini steps like okay let's go shoot everything i don't need to know what the story is i don't need to know any of this stuff right now let's just go shoot it and then being like, oh wow we have this footage and this story and these interviews like what can we do with it now and i just made these like little mini clips and then was like oh well what if i attach them together in these ways and then turns into this other thing and it was a lot it was really helpful to look at it as each individual step instead of like a huge project yeah definitely did you do all the editing like by yourself um i did all the editing um i had friends like send feedback or notes i probably exported this film like 60 times <laughs> and would send or you know share it with the friends who helped me or with like other close friends and be like hey look at this like what do you think and try and get feedback and um, but i did edit it all um and did all of the color correction and all the audio and sound design and then like this like writing the script which is really interesting because you don't really write the script but you just take everybody else's transcripts and then you can arrange those into a story um and so yeah it was ed honestly editing was like 95 percent of the project <laughs> dang how long did that take you to edit um it took a year um and i probably took four months off and this was like a passion project so um i would say i spent 20 hours a week for or now 10 hours a week for six months probably Dang. and i'm and i made like four different versions you know it's like you make one and you're like okay i learned from that now how can i rearrange these things or like break up these different sections to like tell the story better Dang. are you like happy with the way it uh, came out i am yeah um it's really been honestly that actually is probably the most interesting part of the project for me it was like um deciding when i was done um because with every creative project you can there's always things to change especially with a film because there's so many different aspects of it right there's like let's say i have 40 hours of of footage right and i've got to now take that into 30 minutes that means i can substitute out all these clips for like infinite other clips and then there's infinite other audio things i can do or songs i could swap swap in and out or new editing or different coloring or like all these different things and so um yeah at the towards the end after a year i was like really happy with how it was and then i was having to ask myself like okay nate when are you gonna be done because <laughs> i was making all these tiny tweaks you know like ah uh, what if i just 
what if I rearrange these two parts or, or what even like, what if I just include, you know, six more seconds of this one shot or like inf- like all these different things. But at some point you have to be like, all right, I'm done and I'm ready to share this with people. And that was really an interesting thing for me to think through. And ultimately I ended up realizing that I was like, I was very happy with it and I was like done in my mind but I was also scared to call it done because when I call it done that means I'm I'm sharing it with people and I'm submitting it to film festivals and I'm like sitting in audiences watching it and um and it's scary to be like this is what I made and it's the best it's and it's like you know, close to the best of what I can do right now. And so it was really interesting for me to be like, okay, Nate, I know it's scary to say, all right, I'm done. Everybody look at this. But it's also important to um, not get stuck with like these tiny details that you want to fix. You know, even now when I watch it in theaters and stuff, or in like these little hundred person theaters and stuff, it's like, there's still things I would change, you know, but I just, I'm decided that I'm done and, and then that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't let a perfect, perfect get in the way of good enough. <laughs> exactly. I was like, all right, this is good enough. I'm really proud of it. Of course, there's always things I could change, but I I would rather have this be out as it is than be on my hard drive. Yeah. hidden away for the next year yeah. you know so yeah, yeah it, was, it was good yeah at least it's out you know <laughs> exactly yeah and now i'm like and the reception that i've gotten has been so um great and like supportive and has really helped me to like pursue future projects and like continue to do things like this and get in, more into filmmaking and um yeah yeah i mean you know i watched it i think probably before anybody really did um Mm -hmm. because you sent it to me um but yeah i mean you would never know it was like your first film unless thanks yeah (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah i mean it's it was definitely a really really like professional like amazing film that yeah I loved it. Yeah, I appreciate that. It really was super fun. And the other thing that I will mention is like, it's been really, really fun to share with people. Um, But like over a year, like through that year of shooting and editing and getting additional interviews and whatever, like just the process of making it was incredible. Like, even if I lost my hard drives and the van burned down and I had nothing anymore, I would still be like so grateful for the opportunity to just like make this thing and like talk to the people involved and learn so much about editing and coloring and audio and like new software and shooting interviews, like interviewing people like just the process was so incredible that um 
yeah, it's been great to share with people, but even just making it was so rewarding for me. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's in a bunch of different film festivals now, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it's in three right now. And then I'm submitted to eight or nine more, which I'm going to hear back from over the next three or four months. Um, it's in the Soar Film Festival, which is the Sudbury, I think Ontario Film Festival. And then it's in Chattanooga's um, Look Look Out Wild Film Festival. And then it was in another Canadian film festival called the Couch Film Festival, where it won Best Cinematography. Um, and yeah, it's, I'm submitted to a bunch more, some bigger ones that I'm like, that feel ridiculous to submit for, but that's kind of part of my learning from this film is to like push a bit further than what I think is comfortable. Yeah. And the film is called return to sender. I don't know if we said that or not, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually a really cool story. So when the, when Kaj and Danny sent the high line, um, they named it return to sender, um, this rig and, they named it that because one of the other main people involved in the planning and kind of like logistics of how do you rig a mile or, you know, a mile of webbing across a huge Canyon um, was this guy Pierce. And he had just had uh, his first kid the week before. So he couldn't come out to the actual Highline, but he named his kid Sender. And so they named the line Return to Sender. That's the most highlighting name for a child I have ever heard. For sure. <laughs> I, was, I was like, dude, that's a really cool name. So I think they call, I think they use like Sen maybe as a shortened version. But yeah, it's such a such a climbing highlighting like name. It's amazing. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you get all that webbing together? Like. That's a lot of webbing. Yeah, so with the backup, it's basically it was basically two miles of webbing, um, which costs so much money, and so nobody has that much webbing. You know, um, it's pretty wild to see it. Like they had all these huge IKEA bags. You know, those like blue bags you get at IKEA. Um, they had like. 15 of them probably just full of webbing um that was and then they obviously tied them all together i think with like soft shack with soft shackles i think is what they're called um and i it came from seattle oregon like all over oregon came from i think colorado and squamish and so there were like five or six people and then i i believe um slack life bc also lent like a lot of webbing as well that's so crazy yeah so like um, how how did they send all the webbing across that far uh so firstly i will preface this explanation with um i'm not a highliner really well i'm definitely not a highliner um <laughs> and so i have like a an understanding of this process basically just from this film and from talking to other highliners. But uh, what they do, like the whole process is 
they there's two sides obviously and they're a mile apart and then they fly a drone across that has 120 pound fishing line on it and so then you have a mile of fishing line across this gap and then they use that fishing line to pull across paracord and the whole name of the game is the strength to weight ratio so different materials weigh different amounts and are rated to certain strengths differently so this 120 pound fishing line is probably rated to 120 pounds that makes sense to me um and so it once it reaches that weight it'll break and so the best way to get this to basically work your way up to the webbing which weighs a lot but is really strong is to then step it up to paracord so paracord is lighter but it's a lot heavier than fishing or it's li- it's lighter but it's a lot stronger um than fishing line so then they pull the paracord across and then they use that paracord to pull two strands of things across one's called am steel which is um a little bit heavier than the paracord but it's a lot stronger and then they pull another line of paracord across so now there's a full mile of paracord that's right next to a full mile of this am steel then you use the paracord to pull the webbing across but it's connected to the am steel every 100 feet or whatever so that the weight of the webbing is actually on the am steel and the paracord is just used to pull the webbing across that like tensioned am steel um thing and that's called the curtain shower curtain system and then and then you have the webbing across it and then the webbing's across yeah did that make sense yeah okay it's it's hard to like say without using using some kind of a visual but yeah 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 i mean there's just so much that could go wrong (laughs) for sure (laughs) yeah there's actually a group in colorado um that was rigging a mile the weekend after um, the oregon one and when they were rigging i believe when they were pulling the shower curtain across it brought it snapped and uh so their webbing just fell into into a mile of canyon basically and they spent the next three or four days like cleaning up (laughs) and that was a huge bummer because they were you know they spent three days getting that that far and then to have it break at the last second was just like had to be so heartbreaking yeah, I mean, just the rigging alone is like hard. I, th- I feel like yeah, it took it took about thirty people three days. Thirty people. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of people. Yeah, and most I would say probably you know twenty five of those. Well, let's see. So I want to say ten people walked on this line, and so that's like you know a lot of people helped just to rig it and then didn't even get a, you know, weren't expecting to get on the line. Um, they were just there to help like support the project. Yeah. And then only two cents. 
yeah, so Kaj sent um, his first try, which is really cool. So he um, cleaned the line, which is when you have the webbing all the way across, but it's still attached to the the, cur- the shower curtain. So he cleaned it, so which means he basically just scooted across the whole thing and unclipped all the carabiners so that the webbing was then by itself. Um, and then he was on the other side for like 15 minutes drinking water and then walked straight across the line first try um and then like right when he got off the line it was an awesome moment and then we did an interview with him he's like ah yeah i can do a short interview but i have to like go to work <laughs> he, like <laughs> literally sent this like ridiculous high line and then had to drive to go to work which that's, was just amazing that's so funny and then people tried for four days um, while the line was up, depending on the weather, to send. And on the last day that it was up, so four days after it um, was rigged, Danny Schlitt also sent um, the line. And that's an interesting story, too, because he peed three times like while walking what (laughs) yeah (laughs) so he like hardcore hydro loaded like at the afar anchor at the static anchor and then as he's like walking across because it takes an hour and a half or two hours to to walk across this highline and so during that time i would imagine a combination of like drinking a shitload of water and then also being probably kind of nervous or like you know in that heightened state of being 500 feet off the ground on a one inch piece of webbing he had to pee a bunch and so like he basically was would be walking and then stop and just balance unzip pee and then zip back up and then like continue walking but he he like never sat down or anything he was just standing and balancing and peeing, which is I, crazy. I do not understand how. <laughs> Same. There's no way I could ever do that. But yeah, it was I can't amazing. Even, I can't even stand on a high line. Like <laughs> for sure. And then to think, like, oh yeah, I got to pee. I'm gonna just take a little pee break. It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I mean, I just like trying to think about having to focus like that hard for mm-hmm. two hours. And like you have like the exposure below you and like Correct. and just yeah, I mean that line is probably so wobbly too. Like it wasn't so that's a thing too that I learned a lot about was about like the different lengths and tensions involved in high lines and how um basically there's like a sweet there's a couple sweet spots in the actual lengths and um when you have a line that's so big uh when you make a mistake and you like have to you shift your body weight suddenly and it and then the line like absorbs that and sends it out you know like let's say you readjust and so you wobble and then the line wobbles a little bit and then it sends out this wave out into the distance of the line on shorter lines that wave is going to hit the anchor and then bounce back to you um, and then you're going to have to like deal with that 
um, wave that's coming back because you made a mistake. Whereas these like mega really long lines, what I've heard is when you make a mistake like that and you send out the shock wave because you had to readjust really suddenly, it just goes out and then it dissipates and like the line absorbs that wave. And so you don't end up with it coming right back at you. So it's actually more stable the longer the line is? Uh, Yeah, that's what I've heard. And oh. there's like, yeah, that's that's basically it. I would have because, it. <laughs> Right, for sure, yeah. And another interesting thing is like, um, there's like, so for the long, for a long time, there were kind of, I think from what I've heard, there were highliners were like kind of stuck at a certain distance around like a hundred meters and people, and people were like over tensioning the lines and, um, thinking that would help with keeping these like shock waves from hitting them, coming back and hitting them. And then once they got past like, I think 300 meters, people started realizing like, oh, this is actually getting a little bit easier in terms of the actual walking. But it, I mean, it's harder because you're, you're sustaining this for longer and you need the endurance to be able to walk longer distances. But the actual act step for step for step is easier for these. Like once you get past, I want to say 300 meters. Yeah, but you have to get past 300 meters. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then you're dealing with three days to rig. You know, for this mile project it was three days of rigging, so it's not like you can just go set this up for a weekend. It's like this is a you know a week long commitment. Yeah, and you only get a couple days to walk it, like probably. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it was. Yeah, I had so much fun just learning about um, this type of stuff because, like, I'm not a highliner, like. I've touched us. I've tried to highline like three or four times, and I've probably slacklined five times on the ground. Um, and so it was just like that was part of the actual filmmaking too. Was really learning how this works because you have to understand how it works to like explain it, you know. Um, and so that was a super interesting part for me. It was just learning so much about highlighting itself are you gonna become a highlighter (laughs) um i do really want so i've like because i've now fallen into a highlining crowd it seems like of just like people who are watching the film and um people who are in these circles that i now find myself in is like the opportunity is there so often that I really want to make sure I take advantage of like being in a position where I am, you know, I do have the option to try to highline, um, when I've, you know, pretty often. (laughs) And so I, I don't really, I just want to make sure that I take advantage of that, I guess. So I don't have any expectations about like being a highliner or whatever that means, but, um, it is super fun, <laughs> especially like slacklining on the ground. Like every time I get to do that, I'm always like, this is so fun. Like it's just hyper-focused and like every extra step you take is like so rewarding and you're so in tune with your body and like where your weight is at. And, like 
it, and you're with friends who are all just doing this dumb thing, trying to stand on webbing, you know, like it's just a really fun, low stress, high fun environment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Have you, have you highlighted much or I know you tried a couple times in Jordan, right? Uh, yeah. So I did it a couple times in Jordan and, uh, couple times in israel and i tried it one time in zion as well oh nice yeah, yeah i've never i have still never like stood up though <laughs> yeah for sure same. every time i'm just like well i guess i'll go whip on that a couple times and then call it good <laughs> yeah seriously i mean yeah. I, yeah i just get so tired trying to like climb the leash after mm-hmm. i whip for so, sure like, you know, by the time I'm like remounted on the line, I'm like gassed. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then it's and then it's like half a second before you're back falling and <laughs> having to get back up the leash again. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, it's like, all right, let's try. Oh, whipped. Okay. Mm, exactly. Get... <laughs> yeah. Like the second you'd commit, you're like already screwed. But it yeah. it is so fun, and like, yeah, we're just watching, like something about highlining is just so amazing to me like just watching it and like it's such a visually interesting thing to see and it's such a like meeting all these highliners too it's like wow they they really really love this thing and it's like it's never for the or you know the people i've interacted with in this space it's like it's never a the wrong reason like they're always in it just because they love it and they love the other people who are involved and they love the feeling that they get and the way the way that their mind like the direction that their mind goes to when they're highlighting and stuff it's like all these amazing totally selfless to me things that happen around an act that is only you like when i think about highlighting it's highlighting and highliners it's like all these people who have so much love for each other and so much love for this sport and they talk about it always in the sense of a group and a group effort and like the community and all of that but then like when you see somebody highlining it's like well that person's just there out there doing it by themselves but like it's never seemingly selfish you know what i mean yeah it's not very competitive for sure or competitive yeah it's just like hey let's all support each other and do this amazing thing (laughs) it's cool yeah i know dude i like i don't know I don't know if I'll ever actually be good at it just because the exposure scares me so much. Oh, yeah. Like, even Every doing, time. like... Yeah, like, even doing, like, Tyrolean Traverses, I'm, like, scared, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> like, I how, feel that, too. I don't understand how people can, like, walk that when I'm just, like, yeah. totally puckered, just, like, mm-hmm. like, even being in that space at all, you know? <laughs> totally. I was, yeah, I'm always, like, seeing them do it, I'm like, oh, that looks amazing, and, like, I want to do, I want to try that. I want to do that. It doesn't look that, you know, I've seen somebody whip on this 10 times already. It's safe, you know, but then the second you're sitting on the line, you're like, it's immediately 
shoved in your face how like impressive it is that what everybody else is doing you know like yeah you're just immediately like holy cow these people are so skilled and so like just dialed it's it it's amazing yeah yeah i mean you do hang out with like the best in the world though so <laughs> right i know it's like yeah it's fun but you know there are a lot of people there too who are just learning and just there to help out and and that's part of the community aspect that i love so much is like you know people just get psyched about this one thing and like supporting the group's effort you know it's like a group thing everybody's working toward it's not a it's not a hey let's go all this let's yeah. go, go all it's rig this thing so that one person like can try it you know? so. it's like yeah. everybody is just hanging out having fun contributing what they can in terms of gear and knowledge and vibe and like attitude and whatever it's it's just really cool what's your next film are you working on another one or yeah i am working on another film um it, called weightless and it's with my friend ryan um he is a an athlete um he was on the u.s para olympics team um i met him when i was living in chicago and i was volunteering for the adaptive climbing group there at my gym and he was one of the climbers and now he's a volunteer there but he um has osteogenesis imperfecta which is like brittle bones. And so he has broken like 30 plus bones in his life. Um, and he now uses a manual wheelchair to maneuver longer distances. Um, but he uh, rock climbs. He was on the, you know, competing internationally in wheelchair basketball when he was in college. Um, and he really loves slacklining. So this is actually another highlighting film. So he's really, really into slacklining. Um, he's like just passionate about it. It's awesome to see him on slacklines where he can maneuver and hearing him talk about it. He really feels free when he's slacklining and he feels like the name of the film is weightless because it's the only time in his life that he can jump or like take weight off of the ground you know um and so when he's on the slack line and he's bouncing he can feel that like lift that you feel when you're bouncing or when you're jumping and you're floating or whatever um so this film is his journey from it's it's a uh, definitely focused on him um whereas return to sender is focused on an event um and it documents his experience basically going from slacklining to highlining and seeing what that's all about um he was also born in the philippines and his parents moved to the inner city of chicago when he was one and he was living with his grandma in the philippines till he was 10 then his family could bring over him and his brother so that's also part of the film um is kind of his childhood and uh, coming to the U.S. and seeing with him, going through that experience and living in Chicago and um, finding climbing and gaining his self confidence and in sports and 
his community and it's it's basically just about his whole life but it's centered around his goal of being one of the first adaptive highliners super cool yeah it's Uh, been a really fun project like i'm friends with him but it's not very often that you get down to you know you get to sit down with your friends and ask you know pretty pointed questions about inclusivity or um uh you know like how they're impacted around like diversity in uh sports and stuff like that and and have like really clear uh deeper conversations that are questions i wouldn't normally have an excuse to ask you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally um did you do all the filming already for it or are you like in the editing process uh, so I went to Chicago in July for, for all of July or wait, I think this was actually August for August and part of September. So I was there for five weeks and we shot a bunch of it. We did interviews with, uh, him, his sister, and one of his best friends, Patrick, who's also, um, a wheelchair basketball player and adaptive sports guy he's really into mountain biking and uh, he i climbed with him a few times too in um, chicago and he's a really good dude but we shot three interviews and we shot some like slacklining stuff at a little slackline meetup um and then some stuff around his uh apartment and we went to the farmer's market and to a like fire spinning festival and stuff so kind of like the chicago part of it and then I'm using that footage to edit a short demo, um, like kind of example film to put in a pitch deck to share with brands and uh, grant organizations and medical companies to try and get funding to shoot the rest of the film, which we'll do next summer when he comes out to Moab or to Smith Rock or um, the Breathe highlining festival and then we'll shoot his actual journey on a highline that's cool so he's been on highlines before he's been on one in the gym which i don't count (laughs) Um, so he's so because of his because of osteogenesis imperfecta there is a lot of risks for him in highlining and around whipping on a shorter line where there's a lot of tension and more impact and less, you know, like dan- dynamic movement. Um, there is a lot of risk of breaking a femur or a hip or, you know, his back or something. So right now we're trying to figure out the safest way to do that, either with a chest harness or uh like a line over the high line that we can rig so that if when he falls he doesn't fall the full distance of the leash or there's it absorbs part of that impact um and so yeah right now we're just kind of practicing that figuring dialing that in talking to people and i'm pitching to try and get some more funding yeah, I mean, I think I know somebody in Moab that can help with that. But <laughs> yeah, for sure, there's there's a few people who are rigging things that are basically exactly like what I was envisioning, 
Um, and so that having their experience and their knowledge will be a huge resource for figuring out the safest way to go about it. Yeah. Um, uh, my friend Faith started Elevate Outdoors. It's basically exactly what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with like the hand line. <laughs> yeah. Kind of an assisted assistance hand line thing. I think the main thing is uh, working our way up to whatever Ryan think, whatever Ryan wants to do. Because the thing that he mentioned is so his he's very like top heavy so his legs are smaller and so the way he's described it to me is when he's rock climbing and he fall and he's leading and he falls because the majority of the mass in his body is his upper body he f- tends to like rotate more than an able-bodied person and so it's harder to predict the fall from a high line. And that's the main thing that he wants to kind of feel more confident in is like understanding what that fall feels like so that he can fall in a safe way. Um, and it's kind of hard to practice that safely. Uh, but it seems like, yeah, Faith has like a, a hand line and a, um, something that we could kind of test the water a little bit with that. And and so he can get more confident with like, Oh, when I fall, I understand how to do that the best way for my body. So we'll see. That's a next summer. He'll um, go highlighting. That's interesting. Do you think you'll do like not highlighting related films or are you just kind of working on this one? Um, yeah, I, I would love to tell any outdoor rec films, I think, or stories. I think um, kind of the way I've been thinking about it is I want to tell human stories and emotional stories that in that use outdoor recreation as like a vehicle to tell that story. So I don't, I would love to shoot a story I would love to shoot a film about somebody climbing 515 and trying really hard but th- I'm less interested in that and I'm more interested in, in telling the story of somebody who overcame an obstacle and climbing helps them process that and helps them tell that other story you know through climbing or through highlining or something like that yeah through like outdoor Mm-hmm. or skiing you know snowboarding whatever if it's like overcoming um any sort of problem like i think that's a i i'm a lot more interested in those stories than i am about like who's the first person to do a quadruple backflip on a snow you know like i think that stuff's really cool but i'm in, i'm personally very interested in like yeah the human emotional element and and that kind of stuff yeah i mean everybody's doing things about, oh, this is the new cool thing that this person did, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are great, like, to get psyched on climbing or whatever. Like, it's really fun to watch somebody try really hard and, like, have to come up with interesting beta. And, like, you know, they're they're solving a problem, too, um, with how to climb a route. But 
um yeah more interested in in like social problems or environmental problems or more documentary style stuff like that 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 uses outdoor recreation as just like a a storytelling aspect i guess yeah i wonder like a rafting one would be cool i'm sure there's a lot of environmental stuff with that totally i just watched um, a documentary called damnation that came out like years ago i think and i was like this is awesome (laughs) it was just like really interesting environmental story told through like these mini other stories and it was just impactful and interesting and informative and yeah blow up the glen canyon damned exactly yeah i was like (laughs) wow this is so cool i had no idea about this but i'm so interested yeah actually i think the glen canyon dam is like really low right now like powell is like disappearing yeah Yeah. that's what i've heard so we'll see what happens i honestly yeah because i watched that documentary too and glen canyon looks really cool I wish they hadn't flooded it. <laughs> I know, right? That whole part of the the film, I was like, "Wow, this place looks incredible." Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's it's more like telling a story that makes somebody think that I'm interested in. So, or, or either changes what they think or shifts their perspective on a subject. So, to speak to that a little bit more, like with the with this Ryan adaptive highlighting film, my goal with this film is to push the so i think a lot of people see people with physical disabilities and they assign them not consciously subconsciously kind of assign them a spectrum of what they're capable of right like no uh, like not very many people see somebody in a wheelchair and, and like immediately have like you know very forward judgment right but in the back of their mind they might say they might not go oh that person is probably a rock climber you know what i mean um oh yeah and so my goal with this film with ryan is to shift the perspective of what of you know what people think the spectrum is for people with disabilities so like if if they see somebody in a wheelchair and they have some background thought of that person probably isn't doing X. Like if I can shift that narrative and like push the spectrum of what they, what that person thinks a disabled person is capable of, like that I think is amazing. And Ryan is somebody who continually pushes, you know, like highlining is the farthest end of the spectrum, right? Like it's insane. <laughs> yeah. And so like, if it can bump the little, if it can bump somebody's perceptions, you know, 20%, to to go oh wow that person could do you know can do anything they want to do <laughs> like that is my goal so if it pushes somebody to go to you know to look at other people differently or look at a situation or circumstance differently i think those are the powerful stories yeah yeah that's really a cool way to look at it <laughs> and yeah like, that's and a it's cool... been really fun to like see how many op opportunities there are for stories like that like um yeah Yeah. it's really interesting to see like how you can 
tell someone's story to shift somebody else's perception, I guess. Yeah, that's that's super inspiring. And yeah, it definitely makes for good content too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's engaging. And it's just inspiring yeah. and interesting. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you're going to go far. Like, if Return to Sender was your first film, like, yeah. <laughs> Sky's yeah, the limit. I'm super excited. Like, it takes the other thing for filmmaking for me is like, it takes all these different things that I love doing. Like, like prior to this like photography so kind of using cameras as a tool to capture an image and then using my background in audio production to like do sound design and shape like the the audio experience and then using like color theory and editing and whatever to visually make things interesting and then also storytelling through like because you can rearrange a film in an infinite number of ways, but like having like, it just takes all these different things and puts it into one project. And it's like, Holy cow, this is so fun. (laughs) Yeah. It's like everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. And like, I feel the most emotionally engaged and impacted through seeing other people's films. And so like, when I hear people come up, come up to me and they say, wow, I love Return to Sender. It really, you know, made me feel th- like, you know, people are like, I cried watching it or whatever. And it's like, what the hell? That's amazing. Like that I get to give somebody else, you know, like share that experience that I love so much watching other films with people who watch my film is like so, so amazing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's crazy. Just like I don't know, like like I've always said, I have no idea how Nate's not famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I just like, really, really like making stuff, and so this seems to take all the things I like doing and then makes like something that I really like. So it's super fun. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely gonna go far. For Thank sure. you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm all excited right. about this podcast too, dude. Like, it seems Thank like you. you're talking to interesting people and getting a lot of different perspectives which i think is important and yeah i'm proud of you for putting yourself out there i'm sure it's scary to yeah you know speak to people and like also curate this knowledge base and like sharing it with everybody is probably probably pretty scary yeah i mean it kind of is but you know at the same time i don't really care (laughs) (laughs) i'm not very embarrassed to put it out you know Um, yeah 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 Yeah, it's cool i'm I'm excited to see nobody's watching it anyway so (laughs) maybe they will eventually but exactly you gotta keep you know you gotta you have to have the stuff before people can listen so that's cool yeah yeah exactly like you can't nobody's gonna listen unless you put it out so exactly Um, yeah and i mean like for me for me, it's not that hard to edit audio. Like, mm-hmm. it's been fine so far. You know, it's not yeah. like I'm taking, like, a year to do a project. It's like maybe an afternoon to edit it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I'm excited to yeah. see who else you get to interview, and I'm excited to listen to the other ones. I saw, what was the one you post- posted today? Um, Eric With... House. Yeah, yeah, I've seen him around 
but I don't know him. But I'm I'm excited to see, to to listen to that. Yeah, it was a good one. I mean, Eric's such a rad human, so mm-hmm. it was yeah, it was cool to talk to him. Yeah, I, I know uh, I follow him on Instagram because he was, I think he was working on something with Renan. He Oster. was, yeah, 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 yeah and, I, and who's my like idol, basically, right now. Yeah, so, <laughs> anybody yeah, totally. who I can, who's like working with him, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, all right, probably doing <laughs> really cool stuff, and probably a very cool person, but uh, yeah, I'm excited yeah. to listen. Yeah, he was just a rad dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Cool. Um, all right, dude. I think we're at about an hour. Um, Sweet. Is, is there anything you want to like plug? Like, I know you're doing like prints and whatnot right now. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really only on Instagram, so that's the best way to follow. Well, I mean, I have websites and stuff, but you can find all that through my Instagram, which is just uh, Nate Stevens one. And Stevens is spelled S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S. And my website, you can find there. You can message me through there, email me through there, whatever. So, yeah, reach out. I'd love to work on whatever. Yeah, yeah. And do you have a print website, too? Yep, that's also the link on my Instagram. It's nate-stevens-photography.com. And yeah, there's tons of photos up for prints of wildlife and landscapes and climbing and all the stuff. Yeah. I mean, your wildlife photography is so amazing. I have no idea how you find all that. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) I have so much fun with that. I think it's such a cool challenge. Um, And then there's also a trailer for Return to Sunder and the trailer for Weightless on that website, too. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you reaching out, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet, dude. Yeah. Good conversation. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks, buddy. I'll see you later. Sounds good. See ya. Well, isn't Nate awesome? (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for making this project grow and listening to it. I knew that Nate was amazing and I hope to bring so many more people like Nate to your ear holes. (laughs) Thank you guys. Roots Away podcast host Jason Ringenberg. Share, please share everything. I love you guys. Love yourself. Roots Away podcast. Can't wait to bring you more. You. Love ya.